0: Hello, and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang. Anthony, have you ever uh, done a play like uh, DeAndre Aiden did last night?
1: I mean, I don't even know how much DeAndre Aiden did, and, you know, he deserves some credit, but that pass by Jay Crowder.
0: That's true. Yeah. I mean... And I love the Booker screen. That was, uh, we're we're going to talk some playoff basketball, yeah. but that was... Um, I think Beautiful. it's been a pretty awesome postseason so far, and that was probably the single biggest, like, oh-my-God moment uh, we've had, I think. Maybe, I guess the Kevin Durant shot, maybe, but obviously that only wound up being a, a two and wasn't the game winner. But, uh, yeah, that was one of those 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 plays you, you remember. You're, you're going to remember, like, where you were watching it and how you reacted and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying I could do what DeAndre did because I can't dunk the ball and catch a ball that high, but if I could... I'd be able to do that because you, this low, is a
0: uh, perfect. Best. It's been a really good postseason for the for the college basketball people. Everyone had decided that that uh, Luca was the the clear prize of that draft, and he was the one. Uh, he, the Suns were foolish for taking DeAndre Ayton, and the the Hawks were foolish for taking Trey Young. But but the two college stars from that year uh, have have you know not been the two stars in the playoffs, but definitely been two of the the biggest breakout performers we've had this postseason.
1: Yeah, that's true. I'd still rather take Luca, but Trey has definitely um, helped his reputation this playoffs for sure because I, I think he was definitely looked at as like an empty calorie scorer, not a winner. And he's in the conference finals. And same same for Devin Booker. I mean, Devin Booker was had, also had that same label. Can he win? Can he be the best player on the team who wins? Uh, and I mean, he, you can argue him, Chris Paul's been the best player on the Suns, but you can also argue Devin Booker's been the best player, and they're two wins away from the finals. So. Good for both of those guys.
0: Yeah, um, we're going to dive in, uh, obviously, to some Heat stuff later on, some Olympics uh, news. Uh, Bam Adebayo headed to Tokyo. Jimmy Butler not. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that later on. Um, some front office movement for the Heat. And, and of course, uh, some of this playoff stuff will be relevant to the Heat's potential offseason. But I wanted to start at the top with the playoffs. And, and you, you kind of were starting to raise that this point that, that I think is – been in a lot of ways, I think the biggest lesson you can probably take away from these playoffs, um, you know, the injuries are obviously the biggest story, which kind of sucks. I think we talked about, we started talking about this last week because I think these playoffs have been really fun, and and the emergence of these kind of new these new generation of stars and teams um, has been uh, really exciting, and I think probably good for the league long term. I know a lot of people are like, haha, the NBA is going to get Phoenix, Milwaukee, Who, who's going to care about that, but. I think a lot of people are, are, even if the ratings might not say it, and I think the ratings might say it more than than like a Lakers Nets Finals would have said it. Um, I think people are going to be excited about that long term. But um, I, I think one of the big lessons has been, and it's going to be important for the Heat, and we're going to probably talk about this later on as, as we talk about ways for this team to improve, is that more often than not, it really kind of feels like with these stars who are labeled a certain way, the situation is the it's more the situation than the player in a lot of situations. Obviously, there are a lot of exceptions to that, but you mentioned with Booker and Trey Young, where they had these reputations as empty calorie guys, and and you wind up in the right situation, and all of a sudden, you are the best player, the second best player on a legit championship contender. Um, you even see it, obviously, with, with a lot of the role guys who've kind of stepped up this postseason. P.J. Tucker was like, what, worst plus minus in the league uh, for the start of the year, and then has playing obviously huge minutes for the Bucks. You know Blake Griffin. Remember uh, the Heat. The Heat broadcast making fun of him uh, every time they played the the Pistons. And obviously he was a huge part of the Nets' success. Uh, to me, that's been kind of one of the biggest lessons I think you can take away from this postseason. And yeah, I think we're going to talk about Ben Simmons a little later on. But but when you think about guys who maybe are or we've talked about Kristaps Porzingis, guys who underachieve in their situation, it's a, it's a, been a good reminder that. It's never so simple as a guy struggles for a little bit and all of a sudden, like, he's got nothing left. Like, there's always something you can wring out of a guy if, if you put him in the right situation.
1: Yeah, I think that's very well put. And I, I just think we're so quick to label guys, you know. Um, even, like, Bam Adebayo, you know, after his struggles this in the playoffs, you know, we're, we're quick to, label, to, to limit him and, and kind of put a ceiling on him of, okay, he's never going to be that guy. Well... He was that guy last year, actually, before he got hurt, right? Before in the finals, Um, he he led, he helped lead the team to the finals. So, uh, yeah, I think we're quick to label guys, and I also think the margin is so slim in this league that it's so competitive. Circumstances also matter. Like you could argue that if the Hawks, you know, what they finish with a one game, like one game better than the Heat, if they finish one game worse and the Heat finishes five and the Hawks finish six, the Hawks could have been out in the first round. If they play the Bucs. I mean, you know, I guess we'll see how this series plays out, but the Hawks could have very easily been out in the first round. This story would have been totally different. The Heat could have beaten the Knicks. Not saying that he would have made the conference finals because they would have had to beat the Nets, but it, the situation matters as well. Same thing with the Suns. If the, if the Lakers are are fully healthy, Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt, you could argue the Lakers might be in the conference finals instead of the Suns. So, And then all of a sudden the narrative has not changed for Trey Young and Devin Booker. And we're questioning whether they could be the best player on a team that makes a deep playoff run. So uh, the margin is very thin. These playoffs have been very strange. Um, injuries have definitely, you know, dictated a lot of the results. You know, I, I, I still think that fully healthy, the Nets probably won the championship. And I think if the Clippers had Kawhi, they would probably beat the Suns, to be honest. As much as I I, I enjoy watching the Suns play, and I, I I really like Devin Booker and his game and how it's evolved and and developed. Um, you know, injuries have changed things. So to your point, you know, situation matters, but I think also you know circumstances matter, and and there are new there is nuance to this. Like things could be totally different if if the Hawks finish one game worse and and the Heat are in that fifth spot instead of number six.
0: Yeah, I will say people obviously it is one of the craziest playoffs I can remember, but we are still at a position where are Bucks Suns and I think the the Suns are uh really good, even if they're maybe not quite as good as the Clippers. Uh where basically we're like two of the four five best teams in the league are playing in the finals and you know, like you said, I think the Nets, if they were healthy, kind of roll through this thing. But, you know, we would have said – you could say the same thing about the 2019 Warriors, right? Like, that's not unusual to yeah. have a like, team get, like, totally derailed by injuries. Obviously, the the number of teams that, that have been affected by it is obviously pretty stark. Um, but we're still at a point where we – you know, if, if the Bucks win, like, there's a lot of Giannis haters out there. who are not going to take it seriously. But, like, the Bucks have been – what, have they they probably have the best record in the league over the last, like, four or five years at this point. Um,
1: yeah, probably.
0: And, you know, if the Clippers win, like, when they put this team together, everyone thought it was a no-brainer that they were going to win the title. And the Suns, if they win, like, they had the second-best record in the Western Conference and, um, you know, have, like, three guys who, like, look like legit all-stars now in, in Booker, Paul, and Aiton, and Aiton I, I feels like is really taking the leap this postseason – like, the Suns are going to be a powerhouse, potentially, for, for years to come. So, I, And the Hawks even, you know, this is probably early for them to make it here, but, like, they're going to be in this mix probably for the next five, six, seven years, as long as Trey Young uh, is around. Um, so, like, it's been crazy, obviously. I get, like, the frustration some people have, but, like, I think when we look back at it, we're, if the Hawks make it, like, we're going to be like, whoa, that was weird. They They went from being terrible at the start of the regular season to making the finals. But for the most part, I think um, we're getting something like if, a, at the start of the playoffs, if you had picked the Clippers bucks or, or Suns, bucks final, like that wouldn't have been crazy at all. Obviously no. the fact that we saw the Nets look like this, like juggernaut um, and we've seen the Clippers be like pretty ugly for really long stretches of the postseason and not fun to watch. And we saw even the, you know, if, if Anthony Davis plays in that Lakers series, pretty good chance that the Suns go out in the first round like th- what's happened in the playoffs has made this feel different than it, it and it probably would have felt if this was just the final four at the uh at the start of the postseason
1: yeah I mean none of these teams really have any recent championship pedigree um so but it's I mean that like makes it fun though. somewhere exactly and that makes it fun I, I I mean I agree I'm not saying the Suns are good I, I think they're, they've been one of the top five teams in the league for most of the season and you know they're really complete. I mean, I think they're one of the only teams that had a top five offensive rating and defensive rating. Like they're they're elite on both ends of the court. So it's not a surprise that they're here. I I just think this, you know again, I mean, this is an easy take and it's it's kind of obvious. But the series would be different if Kawhi was healthy. Um, but like you said, you could say that about any year. I mean, the finals could have been different last year if Bam and Goran were healthy. Um, there's there's always something that you could point to, to say. You know, to, to discredit a team, I guess, for lack of a better word, and, and I'm not trying to discredit the Suns, but I, I just think, you know, again, the, if the Lakers were healthy, if the if Clippers were healthy, and obviously if Brooklyn was, uh, even if Brooklyn just had two healthy stars, things might be totally different. But I, I do think it's nice to have some new blood um, deep in the playoffs, and we're going to get a champion here that hasn't won one in a long time, or I think there's a few of these teams that have never won one. Yeah, Hawks um, have never
0: won since moving to Atlanta. Phoenix has never won. Obviously, Clippers have never won.
1: Yeah, so. I haven't
0: won since Kareem Abdul Jabbar was uh, in Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of this thing, it's going to be either Giannis holding his first championship trophy up, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, um, I guess Trey Young, or, or even if, if the Clippers come back, Paul George. Um, so it's going to be cool one way or the other. It's going to be nice to see, you know, there, I think, I guess, one of the complaints the NBA gets is that's always the same guys winning. Um this year that's not the case. So yeah. those uh those people don't have that to, to stand on this year.
0: Um you we've ta- we've kind of danced around the buck the nets thing a little bit uh as we've talked here and and it was something that Barry and I like really talked about a few weeks ago before all these injuries um and when it looked like the bucks were really just going to roll to the finals. Um how do we how do you feel about like the way that the heat like stacks up with the Nets. It's obviously so like in some ways it's like the Warriors thing where it was like, can anyone catch this team? But then of course like they're over one right now in this. Well really kinda over of two, right? You know, last year they, they obviously didn't uh KD didn't play, but do you feel like they're like I don't know, the, the the gap to me still feels like basically bigger than ever between the Heat and the top team in the East. And it's kinda of interesting that we're at that point when the Nets just uh you know, lost and didn't even make the conference finals.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the questions now with the Nets moving forward is can they stay healthy?
0: Yeah, it's always going to be the, the question.
1: If healthy, I, I do think the gap is pretty wide. I mean, you could see what the Heat were trying to do this season when they got Victor Oladipo and Trevor Ariza. Like they were, you know, if they if, they, if those guys were to stay healthy, you know, if Victor were to stay healthy, and and you know, and, and you throw out a lineup of Victor, Trevor, Bam, and Jimmy, um, you know, those are really four good defenders who could switch onto anything um that i mean you could see what he was trying to do like they they were trying to build a switchable athletic um versatile defense to go up you know possibly against brooklyn and we never really saw that because victor played four games but i mean uh, that that's going to be i think the the blueprint that he uses you know when trying to build um a team that can compete with brooklyn but i mean Really, we saw it, like when James, Kyrie, and and Kevin Durant are healthy, I don't know if there's any team that could beat them. Um, So I I do think the gap is pretty wide, and and really it's just going to come down to health for Brooklyn. Um, Unless, you know, the Lakers added another really big piece, or, you know, the Lakers and Clippers are going to be able to compete with them just because of their talent, their their top end talent. But the Heat right now, um, unless Bam makes a big jump, I, I just don't know how they can keep up with them you know, when it comes to scoring.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's obviously where, like, these
1: uh, distressed
0: asset superstars come in, right? Like, that's the idea with Victor Oladipo in some ways, is if he comes back together, he's your third star, you kind of can match their top three to a degree. Um, You know, that is going to be, as we wonder about, like, Chris Stapp's Porzingis or whatever. Like, obviously, right now, he's not on that level, but we've seen him be close to on that level, and... I think the the one it's kind of another lesson from this playoffs, and it, it shouldn't be a surprise lesson anyway. I think we all learned it basically in, in 2019. Is uh, even when it feels like the mountain is like unreachable, the peak is unreachable. Uh, when there's a team like that or like the Warriors, you got to keep competing because you basically just never know, right? Like yeah. we've seen these injuries, and we saw it in 2019. Like the Raptors, if if that if the Warriors stay healthy that year, the Raptors do not win a championship, and no one cares about that little weird Kawhi year, basically, that he played in Toronto. And now that's probably one of the, the most, you know, I would have to think that Raptors fans enjoy that championship just about as much as any championship that's been won here in the last, like, 25 years.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like we were talking about, like, the margin is just so thin that you, yeah. you just have to try to put the best team out there. You know, maybe knowing that you just can't, you can't maybe have the top end talent in Brooklyn, but you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, look at Atlanta uh you know, I don't think they – they didn't think obviously entering the season they were as good as Brooklyn, and here they are in the conference finals and Brooklyn's out. So injuries change a lot of things. You know, ball bounces a certain way. Um, it, It's just so slim that – you know, and 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 again, it only takes one more player for the heat. Like if they had a third yeah. star, I don't know, it's easier to have done. Yeah. It, yeah, the outlook would be a lot different. I mean, even, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry's not going to put him, you know, at Brooklyn's class, but – Heat are a better team with Kyle Lowry, especially if they bring back Victor Oladipo as well, and make another, you know, free agent addition, you know, to uh, I amaze mean, a stretch four, another big man that could help them, you know, in that department and re- rebounding. Um, things change pretty quickly. Or Bradley Beal. I mean, that's a name that everyone talks about. But in a yeah. year, if, he, if all of a sudden he demands a trade to the Heat, or another star demands a trade to the Heat, and you have Jimmy, Bam, and Bradley Beal, then you could realistically say, can we? Brooklyn in a series. You know, Brooklyn still probably has the best top-end talent of the two teams, but uh, it's it's definitely competitive. So the Heat have two of the pieces. They not that third piece, that, yeah. uh, that elusive third piece that, that we always talk about.
0: I do also wonder if we're just kind of at a point where, you know, we got so used to the really predictable post-seasons, right? When the Warriors were going every year and LeBron was in his prime in a pretty crappy Eastern Conference. um you know, we knew basically what the finals were going to be every year. Like that, I don't want to say that was unusual in the NBA because we, the NBA is a league of like dynasties basically. But we're at a point where maybe we're like the mid-2000s again, right? Like where LeBron is, is a little past his prime and obviously um, playing in a in the West now, which is just way more competitive than those Easts were uh, in the two, 2010s. Um, and then we there is no like no brainer super like clearly the best guy in the league anymore. Um, where, you know, the league is not supposed to be as predictable as it as it was in the twenty tens. I, I think uh turned a lot of people on to it when it was fun to watch you know, root against those super teams, but also in the end kinda of turned a lot of people off to it. Um and now we're we're at a point where for the next little while here, like Giannis is flawed, Jokic is flawed, Embiid is flawed. Like, everyone but Kevin Durant, basically. Like, again, I think if the Nets stay healthy, like, they're the team that has a chance to be that next, like, you just know they're going to be in the finals every year. But every one of those guys now has pretty, like, long-term injury concerns, ironically, (laughs) except for kind of Kevin Durant. Um, But, yeah, the... I think we're just maybe coming into an era where the league is going to be a little more unpredictable because it's like the passing of the torch, right, from LeBron to whatever this next thing is going to be. And, you know, Luka is is a little ways away still, obviously. Um, and like I said, all these other guys who, who you would basically list as like the biggest stars in the league are either deeply flawed – Or playing for deeply flawed teams. And that wasn't the case, obviously. You know, it was the case for 28 other teams in the league. It just happened that in the last uh, 10 years before this little run here, like, you had the Warriors who were not flawed. You had those Cavs teams who basically were not flawed. Those Heat teams uh, were were flawed a little bit, but for the most part, not very, didn't have a whole lot of flaws. Um, Even those, obviously, those two Spurs teams. Um, it was kind of like the perfect storm for them. It's not like they were a super team, quote-unquote. But, um, you know, for for the most part, the league is filled with flawed teams, and it's unusual to get a couple of, like, unflawed teams. And that's where we're at now. And, like I said, it's kind of fun. Obviously, the Nets, because of how incredible Kevin Durant is, if they stay healthy, I think can be the exception to that. But, um, you know, the last couple – championships have had teams kind of come out of nowhere and make the finals. Like, it, this isn't a total outlier. Like, no one would have – not a whole lot of people would have thought the Heat were going to make the finals. The the Raptors were not the favorite to come out of the East uh, in 2019. Um, So, you know, since LeBron left the East and left a big vacuum there, like, this is what we get in the league now.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean – The NBA was pretty predictable in the 90s, too, with Michael Jordan. It was, yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. There's
0: there's usually, like, kind of one team, but Jordan was always facing different teams in the finals.
1: Right, yeah, Very good point. And, and, yeah, and and I think the difference is, like you said, you know, LeBron was so clearly the best player in the NBA for, like, a decade or more. And, and, you know, LeBron is still, you could argue, the best player in the NBA when healthy, but it's a little more questionable now. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, who would you say is the best player in the NBA when healthy? I would say I'd probably answer, have the same answer, but like you said, I mean the Nets are kind of flawed. As good as they are, they're flawed because they have a lot of injury-prone guys. Um, so again, that's always going to be the question with them. And then, and then the others, like you know, Giannis is can he ever develop an, a consistent outside shot? Can he make free throws? Um, Trey Young, you know his defense is always a question. Um, and you know, if, can he can he be efficient? Because sometimes he turns into a volume scorer. Um, the Suns again. I always go back to the Suns, and I kind of said they maybe shouldn't, wouldn't be here if they if 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 it weren't for injuries. But they're probably honestly the least flawed team remaining.
0: Yeah, they're I'll just say. they're two of their three best players have like never been in the playoffs before. Like it's it's uh, well, and I guess really, Mikael Bridges probably has never been in the playoffs before either. So like. Their flaw is their inexperience, but obviously inexperience goes away eventually. Like, in some ways, it does remind me of the Warriors thing, right? In what year was that? What was the year they went up against the Clippers? That would have been 2014, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it was the final year of the Big Three. So, yeah, 2014. Yeah,
0: 2014. Like, all of a sudden, the team goes from inexperienced to experienced, and, like, they look, like, incredible. And that's, I think, in some ways what we're seeing with the Nets right now. Yeah, so often, the Suns, I mean.
1: So often watching sports, I feel like a lot of us are like, it can't happen because we've never seen it happen. But that's kind of a yeah, It always fallacy. has to happen
0: first.
1: Yeah, yeah it always has to happen first. So it can't be like, oh, they can't do it. because Well, you know, every team has had that moment where they did it for the first time. And this might be the Suns moment, honestly. I mean, I would say, I know we're probably going to get to this question here in a moment, but if I had to pick who's going to win the title right now, and, you know, it's easy right now because they're up 2-0 in their series and the East yeah. series has not begun. Um, or hasn't begun as of, uh, when we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Um, I, I would pick the Suns. I just think, again, they're the least flawed team. They're the most complete team. I think Chris Paul, I read somewhere that there's some hope that he'll be back for game three. Yeah. So they, they seem that they're going to be pretty much fully healthy. Um, so I, I would go with the Suns for all those reasons. Even, even if it, they weren't up to, well. even if that series was starting, you know, tonight, like I, I think the Suns should be the favorite just because they're the most complete team and really they're the, one of the healthier teams remaining.
0: Yeah. I think I'm going to go with the Bucks, but just because I trust Giannis. And, like, it's going to happen eventually for Giannis. I've kind of always thought that, and, and maybe this is the year. Um, but let's take a quick break, and we'll talk some uh, actual heat. All right, uh, we're back. Um, some heat news going on in the world. A couple kind of smaller stories that have big implications, I guess I would say. Um, let's start with the Olympic stuff because um, that is kind of the freshest and I think um, is going to be fun. It's going to make the summer fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Olympics guy, so I was going to have fun no matter what. But bam, obviously, heading to Tokyo. Um, looks like he might be the best big man on this roster. Um how important do you think this is uh, for him to to get to play with this team?
1: I mean, only good things can come, out, can come out of this, I think. You know, when you're around the best of the best, you know, on Team USA, you're being coached by one of the best coaches in the NBA and pop. Um, you're going to be involved in high-level competition, you know, during an offseason where most guys are usually just training. Um, and just the experience of saying you were on the Olympic team, like it helps a guy's confidence. And I'm not saying that they have to get more confident, because that's, you know, again, I don't like going into the mental aspect of, of guys because we don't know what they're thinking but or, or what they're dealing with. But it probably could help him, honestly, after what we saw in the playoffs. Like, after his performance in the playoffs, like, any type of confidence boost and um, a feeling of I belong with these guys, you know, being on this Team USA roster is probably going to benefit him. So I think it's going to be good. I know there's some guys I've seen, them, I've seen on Twitter, some people t- comment to the – to this news, saying, "Well, how is Bam going to work on his mid-range shot? How is he working his three-point shot when he's going to be asked to primarily play inside of the Team USA?" And yeah, maybe, but I why can't you do both, right? I'm sure Bam is going to be focusing on the three-point shot and, and his outside shot and other parts of his game, while also making sure that you know helping Team USA win gold. So I think you can do both. I mean, look at look at what happened with Dwayne Wade when he went to Team USA. He was a pretty good player before, but that really put him on on. The national, like i on, on the map, like worldwide. Like his his performance and that in those Olympics. I mean, he was probably the best player on that team, just performance wise during that summer. Um, I think he was he might have been in the team MVP that summer actually, and then he came back just a, a totally kind of confident, different player. Um, so I think it's gonna be good for Bam.
0: Yeah, and you know we all the Heat fans know better than anyone uh, the importance of. Uh, be- making friends on the Olympic national team. Um, and, yeah, that too. Yeah, like, there's <laughs> there's some names there that it's probably good that the Bam uh, gets to talk to. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, in practice, like, when the guys go to the Olympics, like, they know we're the overwhelming favorite. Like, they get their chance to, like, showcase stuff. It's it's not just, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of games where we're up – 30 points in at the start of the second half, right? Like, and a lot of these, like, exi- you know, they, they play a lot of exhibitions and scrimmages and, you know, the legendary, like, dream team stories about how competitive and how fun those scrimmages were. Like, obviously it's not the same now because the, that was the dream team and just the guys who were on that team were, were, like, a different level. But those, like, practices, those scrimmages, like, that stuff still happens and that all benefits. And you know what? Like, we talk so much about BAM's mid-range stuff, but, like, the other thing Bam could really stand to, to get better at is, is low post scoring, right? Like, his inside scoring. Like, he, he's obviously a good, like, rim runner and that kind of stuff. But, you know, he's not he's still not the guy who's going to, like, take a little guy down on the block and, like, pull off some, you know, he's, he's not super efficient or as efficient as he probably should be in, in some of those aspects of the game. So, like, I don't know. You get Pop coaching you. It's a different voice in there. You know, obviously he's... Bam already plays for one of the best coaches in the league, um, but you know it's you. You can play for a lot of good coaches, right? Like it helps. Like you know, Bam took some stuff from playing for Calipari. You know, he takes some stuff from playing for Spo, um, and and getting Pop in there in his ear too. Um, you know, different perspectives obviously help. I'm, you know, he's going to come back and be better. It happens for basically everyone that Olympic leap, especially the first time you play in it.
1: Yeah, and and for those saying you know he needs an off he needs to rest this offseason he had a long year he didn't really have an offseason last year. have twenty three, like he's gonna yeah. be okay. I and mean, he's, he's young. resting
0: right now. What well, he's, he's resting right off, now,
1: basically. Yeah, and, like, and what do
0: you think he was gonna be doing?
1: <laughs> right, exactly, and, and also the Olympics. I mean, if the heat, if the heat, if the USA wins go, I think it's August sixth or August seventh is is the final game. Um, so he's gonna have about six weeks before camp to get right too. Mm-hmm i not like it's going straight from the Olympics to camp. So Bam is gonna be okay, and it's not like he's gonna play like 45 minutes a game either. Um, yeah, team is the pretty Olympics. deep.
0: We're, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna have two close games the whole time.
1: Right, right. So uh, yeah, I think Bam is gonna be fine. And, and like you said, I mean the big the bigs on this roster are Bam, um, Draymond, and, and Kevin Love. So you know Bam really is probably the best big on the on the team. But I could also see Team USA playing. Like Durant at center, right? Yeah, right. He's probably the tallest guy on the team, actually, Kevin Durant. So yeah, I that's also true. See them, actually, I, I could see them playing Kevin Durant at center in some moments. So they'll they'll be, you know, I think they'll be. A, I think Bam will get a good amount of playing time just because of, you know, the the depth chart as far as bigs and and his skill set. I think kind of fits with a lot of these guys. Um, but th- th- this team is deep enough where I don't think Bam will have to play huge minutes.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Bam playing center. That's probably like. That's been a question with this team, right? Is is Bam a power forward? Is Bam a center? Um, Bam playing center on that team, like you said, where he's, you know, pretty good chance he's gonna be the starting center on that team, right? Playing next to Kevin Durant at the four or whatever. Um, this to be good for him.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. I'm, yeah, and, and and it's gonna be good for him, I think, too, to kind of get out of the the heat bubble. Like yeah. to kind of explore something different and maybe gain some fresh perspectives. Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. What, the yeah. Thing? yeah, yeah. Like I, I just think that's going to be good because he, you know, again, he's spent his entire short career with the Heat, so I, I think that'll be good for him.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Butler passing on the team. Um, not a huge surprise. Just what do you think with, with him taking taking the summer off?
1: Yeah, not surprising. I think that's what most of us expected. Um, he's in a different situation than Bam because he's. Going to be 32 this year. Um, he's dealt with some injuries. He has. He has like a
0: gold, injuries. right? He was on the. Uh, he has a
1: gold uh, 2016. Team. Yeah, yeah. He, he won a gold medal already. So, yeah, I, I, I wasn't expecting Jimmy to to play in the Olympics. So that that really wasn't a surprise. And I think it's good for him, to kind of rest up and get his body right after really a grueling, what ten months? I guess I would say. Uh, it yeah, it's it's hasn't even been a year yet. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it'll be. This will be a good off season for him, which is kind of. Prepare for next season and rest up.
0: Mhm. Uh, it does not look like Duncan Robinson is going to be on the team, which was he was kind of the third guy that I think was had an outside shot. A lot of times Team USA kind of likes to take like a designated shooter or whatever. Um, Once I saw some of the names that were opting in, though, like I think Beal was like the first one to like say he was playing, basically. Once I saw that, I was like, all right, uh, Duncan Robinson's probably not going to be on this team. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah, I don't think this team needs much shooting, right? I think they have yeah. a good amount of shooting at this point, so they probably there's probably no need for a, a three point specialist on the roster, on the Olympic yeah. team.
0: Uh, are you an Olympics guy? Like, do you do you get into it?
1: Um, I used to as a kid. I don't, not as much anymore. I I'll watch the basketball, and I'll watch it every, you know, at night. Like yeah, like the, what else are you gonna recaps. watch? Like, yeah, you know what else am gonna watch? Are right in the summer. Yeah, exactly. So I'll, I'll watch it, you know. In, when I have, when I have a chance, but I'm not, like going out of my way waking up at five in the morning to watch, yeah. you know, the swimming. Uh, I care and I keep track of it. I just I'm not like the huge avid Olympic guy. Are you, is that you? Is, that, is are you oh, someone yeah. who wakes up like to watch it live? Uh
0: yeah, I'm. Um, so uh, swimming is really big in like right outside uh, Washington D.C. where I grew up. Like Katie Ledecky is from my hometown basically, um, and a girl from my. The, who was like six years old when I was a lifeguard just made the Olympics in backstroke. So like the swimming always. And Phelps is a Maryland guy, so so the swimming always uh, I get pretty fired up for that.
1: Yeah, no, I could I could see that, and I, again I I do like it. I just I don't know when I was like, when I was growing up like I would I would be one of those that would like, wake up to watch everything like no matter I'd be like look at the schedule but if, like, I, I think I need to watch this yeah, I need to watch this I can't miss this yeah I, but. These days, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch the recording at night. They're going to show all the highlights. So yeah, that will be fine for
0: me. I'm, I'm typically kind of, you know, well, especially in, like, our line of work. Like, a lot of times I'm working, like, in covered in sports and stuff. Like, I, there have been so many times where it's like I've been at a baseball game while something's happening, and then you try to avoid spoilers so you can watch the, uh, the, the replay. But it's been five years. Like, I'm, I'm itching for it.
1: Is that a bucket list item for you to cover the Olympics?
0: Um... Definitely a bucket list item to go to the Olympics.
1: Okay.
0: I don't necessarily know if I need to cover it,
1: um, but covering it seems like a very hectic.
0: Yeah, I'm design. sure it's fun, but it's just, I mean, it's hectic enough to just go to it, I think, and figure out what games you're gonna go yeah. to and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, uh, shout out to Phoebe Bacon, uh, Potomac Zone. Um, all right. Uh, the other piece of heat news, uh, this week, Shane Battier leaving his job with the heat um, still going to do some consulting work for the organization. I think it kind of remains to be seen what this means short term, but obviously the long-term implications are what's interesting here. Cause down the road, Battier looked like he was going to be a candidate to eventually be Pat's successor.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it, I don't think we really didn't expect this, um, but I don't even know if Pat's ever going to retire, so maybe I that's know. why Shane stepped down. You heard Pat's yeah. press conference. Well, and it's I was like, like
0: okay. uh, Mike Hopkins, who was Syracuse's <laughs> assistant coach forever, and now is Washington, University of Washington's assistant coach. He was like the coach in waiting for like 10 years and then realized Jim Boeheim was never going to retire, so he left. Um, yeah. I think we're, I, I would not be surprised if that's the situation here, also.
1: Yeah, I mean, Pat, uh, you know, it doesn't look like he's close to retirement. I don't even know if he'll ever retire. He just loves. He's just so competitive. He, he wants to obviously go out on top, you know, and th- he's trying to build this team back to that, that point. Um, but, I, I, you know, another thing could be maybe the plan wasn't to have Shane step in for Pat. Yeah. You know, and maybe Shane saw running on the wall. Like, look at what happened with Boston this summer um, with with Brad Stevens and, and Danny Ainge. Like, I could easily see that happening at some point, you know, in, in a couple years or three years, whenever that moment comes where whenever Pat says, okay, this is the time, I could see it getting a text saying, okay, there's a press conference. And all of a sudden we find out that Pat's retiring and Spo stepping in as team president, you know, yeah, and I'll maybe coach as, as well.
0: As someone who doesn't have front office sources or, and is not plugged in or anything, I've kind of always just imagined that that was what was going to happen. Like 10 years from now or whatever, Pat was going to finally retire. And Spo was just going to be the new Pat and, and learn how to slick back his hair like that and drop the rings on the table and they would find some other like young hotshot, Chris Quinn or something would uh would be the new Spo, and we're just gonna try to keep replicating that forever.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean that that seems like the more likely um, outcome. But another possibility would be like just there's so many qualified people in that front office that have been right, there like, Pat's for not even so long, the
0: GM, right? Like it's yeah, it's such a collaborative I, effort in the front yeah, office. That, it seems like.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, there's so many guys there that have that have had strong voice in the front office that have been there for a long time and have had chances to leave and they haven't. That yeah. I could see them also like saying, okay, let's split up Pat's job when he retires between like three people. You know, yeah. whether it's like Andy Ellisberg who's a GM now, Adam Simon, yep. who's the assistant general manager, and then Spo, and and doing it that way. Like I could see that as well. Um, but it does seem like if Spo wants that role, like he probably get it right? Like, it just it just seems like the natural uh, step for him to take after, you know, longtime long-time successful coach, spent his entire coaching career with the Heat. Like, it just seems like the natural uh, next step for Eric Spolscher to take take over for, for Pat whenever he retires.
0: And again, it, it seems kind of foolish to talk about now because it doesn't feel like it's happening anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, what did Pat say when at the end of the season, I think uh, so we asked him, like, uh, you know, what's, you know, have you thought about your future? Like, how much longer do you want to do this? And he's like, yeah, I mean, I'm not thinking about retiring. Like, there was not even, it was like, the thought had never even crossed his mind. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, maybe if they, like, win the championship next year or whatever, like, then you would get the, you know, you, I, I'm sure everyone, when they're a certain age and they win, they think about going out on top. Sure. But, like, they're not, he's not in a rush to, to get out of this thing.
1: No, clearly. He's not. He's not. So, we, I don't think we're going to have to have that conversation for. At least a couple more years. Um, And the front office could
0: look really different by then. I mean, obviously, they're going to probably hire someone to replace Battier, right? Like, even if it's not directly, like, there are going to be new guys in the front office every year or whatever, and someone's going to rise up the ranks, and someone we've never heard of is going to five years from now when when Pat is um, thinking about hanging it up, if that's what happens. Like, there's going to be some people in that front office that aren't even thoughts in our mind right now.
1: Yeah, and then one person I didn't mention that also has a pretty strong voice, you know, in, in decisions and, and, and is a pretty, you know, ro- big role in the front office is Alonzo Mourning. Um, right, yep. He's right now the vice president of player programs, but he's he's one of those guys that, you know, gets a seat at the table. So, um, you know, that's another name. And, and, you know, whenever Udonis Haslam retires, like what was he, he's talked about he doesn't want to be a coach, but he does want to work for the team in some capacity or even maybe have an ownership stake. He kind of hinted at that. During yeah. exit interviews this year, um, what is his role going to be? So yeah, like you said, like th- there'll be there'll be new faces in a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, what if Jimmy Butler retires
0: after five year, five more years in Miami? Like, you know, there's, there's going to be guys <laughs> who are who are never even going to think of that are going to be important to this franchise.
1: Who's going to retire first, Pat Riley or Udonis Haslem? Uh, Udonis Haslam. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, but I, 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 you know, again, we're still waiting for Udonis' decision this off season. But if I had to guess, I don't think he's gonna retire this summer. I think he's gonna play another year. Yeah. So,
0: Although it really would have been the perfect ending, the uh, the the three minutes he played this year or whatever it was,
1: it would have. But he can do that again next year. Come on, he can. He needs to and in, front he the again again in front of a full crowd. In front of a full crowd, yeah. I, I, he just has to do it again next year, and he could easily do that again. That's it's like so Udonis and up his blame. So. I think he wants to come back. I think he'll play – I think part of it is he just wants to play like a normal season, right? Like, the past two seasons have yeah. been so unique. Um, and yeah, I, mean,
0: I two years, right? If the 2020 season ended normally, like, I think we were all kind of thinking that was going to be it. But who knows if it was actually going to be it. But, like, once it – we went to the bubble, obviously, it meant that it was not going to be it.
1: Yeah, and I, I can't imagine that he wants to, like, just – end his career after what happened in the playoffs this year. Like, that's yeah, not the health to go on. That was, like, one of the most disappointing playoff series in Heat history. Um, so I, I think Udon coming back, but, again, we we'll probably won't hear his decision until, like, August or something, like we have in past years.
0: All right, uh, right, let's wrap things up with a uh, a new segment. Uh, You have dubbed it whale hunting. Uh, We need a sound effect, I think, for that. Like uh, a whale. Wait for Willie. Yeah, like, the, like a splash or the whale, like, call, yeah. right? They, like, kind of sound like they're moaning. Um, or maybe, like, Captain Ahab yelling uh, about going after uh, Moby Dick. Um, but our whale this week, each, each week on this segment, uh, we're going to talk about a potential whale or whale-adjacent player. I don't know how many whales are actually going to be out there. I don't know if this person we're about to talk about is a whale. Um, but we're going to talk about whale or whale-adjacent players. Um, and the possibilities of what the Heat could maybe do to acquire them, how they would fit the Heat with the Heat, and whether, just kind of simply put, the Heat should go get a guy like that. This week's whale is uh, Ben Simmons, um, the most maligned player in the NBA right now. The most Um,
1: maligned whale in the NBA, yeah.
0: Yeah, and there are a lot of maligned whales out there. I think we're going to probably talk about some more of them in the coming weeks. Uh, but Ben Simmons is this week's uh, target because it it seems pretty inevitable that he's not going to be a Philadelphia 76er next year. Um, to me, it also feels pretty inevitable that he's not going to be a member of the Miami Heat next year, but it's uh, still worth discussing. Um, what do you think of Ben Simmons just at large as a free agent target for teams and then specifically for the Heat? Or not a free agent target, sorry, a
1: trade target. Trade target, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously he has a, he has – Potential and he has upside. Um, I guess one of the benefits of like trading for him this offseason is you might not have to give up as much as you thought because yeah. it's like a buy low, uh, situation. Uh, then again, Phoenix, Phoenix Philadelphia might want to build up his value again before trading him. So maybe he will be back for that reason next year, at least to start next season. Um, but I mean, he has four years, 137, $147 million remaining on his contract. That's a lot yeah uh, so and in regards to the heat, like I can't see the heat taking on that contract a and B, I don't really think Ben Simmons is the best fit next to Bam and Jimmy, you know, as no, guys who really don't shoot threes. Can you imagine having you know three of your top players as guys who just score on the basket and don't really take outside shots? so doesn't really make much sense for the heat um but yeah, well, and we how-
0: don't know this for sure, but um, all the reports coming out of philly when when Jimmy left were that he and Simmons did not. Uh, necessarily see eye to
1: eye. Yeah, and, and you know I don't I I can't confirm that, but I mean that wouldn't surprise me just because right. Jimmy's kind I mean, be of close with you or uh, with
0: Embiid. yeah, so like and, and, and
1: some... Jimmy and, and and just the I, I know Stephen A. Smith I think said yet yeah, you reported yes you got a text from someone in Philadelphia saying that Ben doesn't work hard and he's babied and he's coddled. Like Jimmy seems like a guy that. He does not have time for people who are, like, just naturally gifted and talented, but they don't work hard enough to, like, make the most of it. And, you know, I'm not – I don't cover the Sixers. I've never met Ben Simmons, so I can't say that he falls in that category. But if Stephen A. Smith is right, like, that would seem like a a player that Jimmy Butler has no time for because Jimmy's, like, the opposite of that. He's not the most talented, naturally gifted guy, but he works so hard to make himself, like, an elite player that he just can't understand others who – you know, are the opposite where they're really talented, but they don't work hard enough to be an elite player.
0: Yeah. As you put it though, I think the, the, the key thing there is he just does not fit at all with this team.
1: No, I mean, we've talked about it a million
0: times that the heat are already in such an unusual situation and that their two best players are non shooters and the way that they have to manufacture shooting around them. You definitely, you know, it's already a tricky enough uh, predicament for the heat that, I think, in a lot of ways, killed the offense this year. Um, You know, it's not when everything's not working in synchronicity uh, at a high level, the offense can really fall apart when that's the situation. And uh, bringing in Ben Simmons, I think, just makes it basically impossible to manufacture a good offense unless Bam came back and was like a sharpshooter.
1: Yeah. So this whale is not coming to Miami. Yeah. I do
0: like. In some ways, I like the idea of Simmons as a trade target for certain teams, though. But I think, I don't know, he's, he's not a point
1: guard, right? He's, he's not, probably...
0: He
1: he's probably like a power needs to, forward. Yeah, he probably needs to play as a power forward, like a point forward. But
0: Yeah, he's a power forward who can pass a little bit. He's a good playmaker who can dribble. But, I don't know, like... He's Is he a, like
1: a Draymond? Right? The Is point he like a Draymond good role? at,
0: like, shooting to a degree. Um, a point guard has to be willing to shoot. A point guard has to be willing to have the ball in his hands. Um, he's not a point guard.
1: No. Yeah, and, and I mean, so what do you think is the best situation? Like, part of me thinks the best situation for him is just like getting his own team, kind of. Yeah, and just, I mean, like, that's what what happens.
0: I to do, right? You could send him to like a crappy team and maybe let him still be the point guard, and just you live with like the hackaband and all that kind of stuff. Um. But I think if he's going to a good team, he's got he's not a point guard. A point guard has to have the yeah. ball in his hands. That's like the definition of a point guard is the guy with the ball in his hands. Like send him
1: to like sending him to Golden State. Like that, it would be like him and like him and Draymond just wouldn't fit together. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, like what? Like the late, like could the Lakers give up like a poo-poo platter for him and try to? Like I, I don't think that would work either. Um, maybe like Washington just flip Russell Westbrook for him. Does that work for either team, or does that make both teams more miserable?
1: Probably makes most, both teams more miserable. <laughs> but, yeah, there's uh, not a I good mean, situation out there. How about, like, John Wall for Ben Simmons and picks? Like, picks and John Wall for Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons then all of a sudden has his own team. You know, I don't know how much I like that. John Wall makes Philly, but um, they can get picks out of it at least. Um, like, I, that might make some sense, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe. So I don't know if Philly wants to deal with that. wall. Like, that's the problem is Simmons is no longer the kind of guy you can get James Harden for, and clearly he never was, um, or James Harden would be on the Philadelphia 76ers. But, um, yeah, it, it's how bad is that contract viewed at this point? That, that's the question with him. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's interesting. Like, I don't know if Philly had a chance to trade Ben Simmons for Harden, and they just didn't want to trade Ben Simmons at that point or if really like Houston was like nah we don't really want Ben like I'm not sure.
0: Well because it wasn't the reporting that day like everyone thought it was going to be Philly and then it wasn't like didn't even like Shams or Woj say they were the favorites like that morning and then he wound up on Brooklyn by the end of the night so clearly something something happened in the that 12 hours or whatever that that changed.
1: Daryl Morey came out and said that I don't want it. We're not trading Ben Simmons, which I don't know if again that was after he's right, don't want after. Ben Simmons, but yeah. you know it, it is. If if they had a chance to trade him for Harden and they didn't, they really have to be regretting that move, that decision right now. Yeah, just I mean
0: because. it's again with, we know better with the Heat that that was probably never really on the table. Um, but it's every well, every team in the league is regret. Like it seems like everyone who passed on Harden, quote unquote, passed on Harden or didn't get Harden. Uh came away really uh regretting it by the end of the year
1: yeah i think the lesson is if there's a transcendent uh, you know top five player available like no matter (laughs) what what the age is yeah (laughs) you trade it you trade for him i think that that's something we've learned over the past (laughs) eight months or so
0: all right anthony i think we can wrap things up there uh you can follow anthony on twitter at anthony underscore chang um are you working on anything right now or kind of Dregs of the off season, waiting for Olympics stuff. to happen. yeah, this
1: is a pretty dead time. Um, yeah. You know, there's always news. Like we talked about a little bit about the Olympic stuff and and Shane Battier and and different things that come up. And you know, we're in, and our job is to be creative and create content. So there's always that. But man, there's there's really not much going on right now. You know, as the NBA playoffs um continue, like you know the the Heat uh, Heat players are away at home or on vacation and and you know, is still over a month away. Some of over a month away The he not No draft, draft so, content. Yeah. To it's pay just, attention to. it's, it's, yeah, it's a very quiet time in heat world at the moment.
0: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Uh, it's also a little quiet for me. I've, I've been at Marlins games for the most part this week and Miami recruiting stuff is going on. So if, if you're into that, uh, their big recruiting event is this weekend. So you can follow me on Twitter there. Um, Obviously, check out MiamiHerald.com because just because we don't have a lot going on does not mean that there is not a lot going on in the sports world. Um, Obviously, Marlins uh, in a little bit of a playoff mix. Uh, Olympics coming up, Dolphins wrapped up, uh, their OTAs. So, yeah, just just go to the Miami Herald website and there's always something there. Um, But until until next week, Anthony, uh, thanks as always for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.